What's a god? They're real if you believe in them. So who are you? You wouldn't believe in me if I told you. This is my man, Shadow Moon. He does not know our world. I'm easing him in. You've gotten yourself mixed up in some really weird shit, Shadow. You think I'm spent? You're as forgotten or as unloved as any of us. I'm doing just fine. You're trying to start a war? We're at war already, and we're losing. Who's after you? Times, they are changing. We need you to fight them to show them who we are. They are gods, for God's sake! So what's the plan? War. Deliver me. Deliver me. None of this feels real. It feels like a dream. And things are never going back to the way that they were. It will be glorious, win or lose. Hi, and welcome to Mindless Drivel. And uh, I'm Scott McGregor, the proprietor of this particular podcast. And say that five times fast. No, thank you. And I'm actually joined. We've been, it's been a while since we put something out. We we did a little uh, Star Wars Last Jedi trailer thing uh, a while back, um, but we're trying to get back on track. And we've got an exciting new podcast for you, or a new topic for this podcast. And I'm joined tonight by Aaron Henley, and maybe we'll continue to be joined by him for a while. So say hello, Aaron. Hello, Aaron. Thank you. He's learned his script. Good boy. Um, but I decided um, we're going to start covering the first season of American Gods on this show. And if you don't know what American Gods is, we will uh, inform you a little bit about that uh, if, in a minute. And um, if you're not watching it, you should be. Um, I'm never going to you know, like tell people ever again to like don't listen to my podcast if you don't watch the property because David Pascarella has wrecked that curve and we love him for it. So he listens <laughs> to a couple of my things that he doesn't actually watch the properties and you know it, it is on a channel that is premium so some people just don't want to pay extra for it so you know there are other ways to get it yeah yeah indeed and 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 even if you never watch the show i would highly recommend you know hunting around your your favorite bookstore and pick up a paperback of the uh the novel that it's based on oh yeah it's right behind right next to the 200 copies of game of thrones <laughs> yeah actually both of them are pretty hard to find at garage sales this is where i i, I found my copy and then i kind of lost it before i was able to finish it unfortunately so uh, I'm in a kind of a weird place with this this TV show adaptation of it, but let's uh, give you a little. Um, well, first we'll we'll introduce Aaron here. He's on another podcast called Tangents Abound, who just recently joined our our fine two true freaks network. Yep, almost a almost a year now, in yeah. a couple months. Well, a couple months is not almost a year, Aaron. But well, in a couple months months from now, it'll be a full year. Was it really already? Yeah. No. August is when I started. Wow. Wow. Like, no, on your own or with two true freaks? Yeah, on my own. No, oh, okay. not, not part of the network. Yeah, I'm easily confused, Darren. You got to work with me here, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I already have kind of a sketchy relationship with time in my life because I'm convinced that, like, my hours are only, like, 37 minutes long now. Um, to the time age theory thing I have. It'll be published soon in a scientific journal in my head. 
Oh, just have W. Blaine Dowler write it. It'll work out. <laughs> I, I don't think I have enough years left in my life to, to write, read something that Blaine would write. He's <laughs> the most thorough fact-checking person I've ever met in my life, I think. We, we should probably put him in our government. If he wasn't Canadian, I would, I would draft him. Because <laughs> we need more people like that. But anywho, um, let's give you a little background on American Gods. Uh, it was written by Neil Gaiman, who um, you may or may not know, but he's kind of very well known in pop culture in general, particularly the comics world. And mm-hmm. He uh, he created the the amazing um, run of books called uh, Sandman for DC Vertigo Comics um, back in the early '90s, I believe it was. Late 80s, early 90s, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he's, uh, he's done lots of comic work. I mean, he wrote on Constantine for a while, Hellblazer for a while. Mm-hmm. He does some Doctor Who episodes every now and then throughout the history. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just, he's written another book with Terry Pratchett from Ringworld. Not Ringworld. Uh, the, the, the Discworld books. Ooh. Um, Called Good Omens, which I've yet to read, but I'll check that one out. Um, You said you never read the novel, right? No, I have not. In fact, I didn't even. I just, yeah, I haven't read the novel. I've just gotten into the show. I've watched the first episode, well, first three episodes, and I'm going, (laughs) okay. It's not dull. It's uh, (laughs) I don't know what it is, but it's not dull. (laughs) It's uh, we'll we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Yeah. Um, but um, it's definitely uh, for the mature audiences. Uh, this is not a kid show. Unlike the last, I think, big Neil Gaiman work that was done in a media was that Stardust movie with Robert De Niro. Right, and, right. Good catch. I forgot all about that one. And that's a really good movie, actually. That's a very good adaptation. Oh, I've never read the book, but he, I think he was fairly involved in, in the making mm-hmm. of the movie, too. So, yeah. Robert De Niro as a gay pirate. That was just awesome, yes. that's. I know it sounds weird, but trust me, it, it, think the Princess His Bride goals on for steroids. me now go, uh, you know, Vito Corleone, Jimmy Conway, and Goodfellas, and a gay pirate in Stardust. Those are the top three for De Niro for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Stardust just did not get the love it deserved. No, it was a quirky thing, man, and I, I don't think the marketing on it really kind of sold it. You know, people mm-hmm. were kind of thinking it was a little more straightforward, you know, fantasy, family-friendly thing, and it really, as all gaming things have, it had a very weird twist, you know. Mm-hmm. Or had some dark areas that maybe didn't translate well. Coraline, too. That That's a you know, gaming property. Oh, okay. I didn't know kind of did Coraline. Yeah, that... You know. <laughs> And that's much more twisted in, in the book, apparently. Just a bit. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but this uh, this show was able to go as twisted as it needed to, and I, I love that they, they've taken some bold choices with it. But, again, we'll get into that in a few here. Uh, first publication date of the uh, novel was um, June of 2001, and he actually came out with kind of like a director's cut of his book called The Preferred Text in 2005, which I'm not sure, maybe it was actually 2011, and I'm not sure if the book that I was reading was The Preferred Text or not. Um, I, I've known about the novel for years, and I've just never gotten around to it, and I found it at a garage sale in the last couple of years and grabbed it and started reading it, and 
and I was I had every intention of finishing it before the show started, but I I ended up accidentally throwing it away with my the old Gloatmobile that got towed away. Um, so I didn't get to finish it. I got myself about two thirds of the way through it. Um, so I've got a pretty good grasp, and the show is definitely not caught up to where I was yet. So no, from from tired. the. Uh Articles I've read, the first season is just pretty much the first third of the book. Yeah, pretty much so far. I mean, I think we're, as of this recording, the show's actually on, like, um, episode six, maybe? Six or seven. Yeah, it's definitely close to... Season. Definitely close to finishing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's got a nice little slow pace, so I, I definitely have time to finish it. Although I've actually gone ahead and wikied and spoiled kind of stuff from the novel like a moron that I am. I probably shouldn't have, but you know, it's, it's, it's not a hard tale to figure out. Uh, they're not hiding too many of the secrets. No, no. And that's kind of cool. I thought maybe they'd string the viewer along on a couple things a little, little longer, but, uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. I, I don't want to, I don't want to get into that just yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, we'll, we'll keep, we're going to keep to one episode at a time. And do a little recap for you, like we do on a few other shows. And uh, so, Weekly Heroics, check it out on twotruefreaks.com. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, fear the walk. And I'm not on it. <laughs> not you, well, you have been. You have been occasionally. Well, the listeners don't know that, you know. <laughs> but so, um, I told you I want to tell you a little story about this novel um, and and this weird kind of synchronicity experience I had with it, you know, and I'm a big Carl Jung fan, so that, that kind of baked my brain even more than maybe the average person would. Uh, but that, that's, uh, that's ticking off my sociology one-on-one bells. I've, I know I've heard that name. Oh, you need to read Jung, man. Jung is awesome. Uh, weird and awesome. Uh, all about symbolism and, and you know, the stranger side, the shadow. Uh, yeah, yeah, don't get me started on you. <laughs> we'll be here all night. <laughs> we would be. And tangents are my show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I tangented while you were still in diapers, my friend. Uh, yeah. Um, but uh, I, I, you know, fancied myself a little bit of a writer, and I always had, like, the aspirations of writing the great American novel and all that shit. And I'm also the the president of the Procrastinators Association of America Club, so of course I never did it. Um, but many, many, many years ago, um, before I knew this book had existed, but I didn't know about it. I really actually knew nothing about it at the time. I, I had a dream that was very vivid, and, and I decided I was going to make it kind of the basis of, of a story. And then I learned, and I actually did jot some stuff down about it, and, and it essentially was kind of like a cosmology of the of the universe. Um, but it ended up, my head book ended up being very much like this novel, American Gods, I was reading about. Uh, and then I looked into like what the plot was, and I'm like, "I'll be damned, Neil Gaiman." somehow reached into my brain with his buddy Morpheus, the king of dreams, I might add. Coincidence? I don't fucking think so. And stole my book, because it was very, very similar in theme and plot. There were some definite discrepancies, but the basic kind of, like, rules of the universe was this thing I had come up with in my head, I, or so I thought. Apparently I was just sharing it with Mr. Gaiman, and he wrote it down quicker. 
Um, and so, also had the uh, you know street cred to get it published a little faster. Yeah, that helped. If I had you know written Sandman first, they they probably would have somebody would have wanted me to write my other shit down, but I didn't. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, but that's just it's just very weird, and and so I have been kind of aching to read this book for for a long time because of that, and and when I started reading it, and and you know, it was just like. Well, I guess it's good that I didn't put that out later because I probably would have been sued for plagiarism, <laughs> you know, or at least stealing his ideas because it was just very similar. So I'll have to come up with something else for the, the great American novel. Um, I guess I better do it soon before some other novelist takes it from me. But nothing but love for you, Neil. I know it wasn't intentional. Collective subconscious and shit like that. That's, that's Jungian stuff. So... There's there's my boring ass tale. So let's get into a boring ass recap, shall we? Let's. <laughs> You're letting me talk too much on my own show, Aaron. Um, well, uh, I think that's kind of the point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some people would argue with you, but um, the show itself is. Uh, do you have any experience with Brian Fuller, who the showrunner is? No. He did a very popular show a while back called Pushing Daisies. I think he was. I've heard of. In heard of it never seen it no me either and it's one of those that's like wildly popular and people loved it and you know i've been meaning to it's on my huge to watch pile but i first discovered i think his work i think he actually worked on heroes like the good season of heroes oh the first season yeah i think i think so i may be wrong about that i'm not going to check it right now but We'll, we'll just say it's the first season because I don't want to think he, someone of that caliber wrote anything else past that. No, no, <laughs> no. That's that's a that's a conversation I should never have on a podcast either. Um, <laughs> but um, he's the showrunner for this, and I, I first experienced him like on TV. He did the Hannibal show mm-hmm. um, that closed out a couple of years ago, I think, and uh, and maybe coming back. That would be interesting um yeah i read that one too and i would be all for that because he did some at first i didn't think like hannibal why the hell you know would i want to watch this i'm not a huge fan of like tv adaptations of my favorite you know like 80s movies and shit that seems to be the craze nowadays mm-hmm. um and so i rarely kind of check them out unless i read really good things about them um and i was so i'm like yeah let's give this a shot and it was just I, I could not believe the places they were going with it visually and story-wise and what they were able to get away with. On basic cable. Yeah, uh, yeah, amazing. Uh, yeah, re- they, regular uh, NBC, so... Yeah, it's the old. It's kind of the old adage, though. It's like, well, we can show pretty much any gore nowadays, but you still need to keep that nipple off the screen. You know? And that's kind of what that one came down to. This show doesn't have that problem, obviously. <laughs> Um, That's what the power of stars is. Yeah, this is uh, Brian Fuller fully unleashed, and it's kind of glorious. Um, But the show is directed by David Slade, or at least this first episode, who I think was... Is he the guy who did Suicide Squad? No, I'm thinking of David Ayers. No, no. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, he was on Hannibal, too, and did Hard Candy, 30 Days of Night. Wow, yeah. I knew he sounded familiar. But anywho, um, it's it's essentially starring a guy named Ricky Whittle as the main protagonist, Shadow Moon, and he's only really ever done, to my knowledge at least, uh, the the CW show The Hundred, 
I think it's mm, okay. He was actually pretty good in that. It was kind of a surprising choice for this character for this um, um, this popular of a book because he is kind of relative unknown, but he's I think he's nailing it. Uh, yeah, Emily we- Browning, who's been in a lot of stuff, plays his wife. The um, several other actors that you would definitely recognize uh, showing up later on, so we kind of won't spoil it now. But and that guy named Bruce Langley uh, playing Technical Boy. Um, E. Tide Badaki, maybe, playing Bilquis Pablo Schreiber, who was on The Wire, the only place I remember him from, playing Mad Sweeney, and the always amazing Ian McShane playing uh, Mr. Wednesday, and um, about the only other person of note in this episode is uh, Mr. Iblis, or Ibis, Ibis, maybe, um, Demore Barnes. Who is kind of our, our starting narrator for the whole show, a continuing narrator for some of these vignettes in their show. Mm-hmm. He's the uh, author, right? The, the guy writing on mm-hmm. in the book. Yeah, the, like coming to America tales and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. He has a nice pen. Yes, indeed. Yeah, and fine penmanship as well. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the reason we mention that is there is an. The first three seconds is just this pen going into a big inkwell, and it's like, you know, all artistic. So that's why we say he has a nice pen. We see it on screen for a long time. Yeah, yeah, it's a great way to set the. It's kind of right out of the book too. It's just um, a great way to set the stage, which is actually a very shocking contrast to the actual opening credits. But go ahead, Eric. Well, actually, if you want to talk about the opening credits, I've got some points on that. Or do you want to just get into it? No, that's that's actually my first notes. Is that our, our, our opening credits is kind of this weird, trippy techno sounding opening theme with uh, it's just kind of a, a fast montage of uh, of gods that are you know the classic of a, a mix of the classical gods and symbols and, and statues and modern technology appropriately enough. A lot of neon, a lot of uh, flashing lights, and a lot of like Buddha statues. You know why not? Yeah, you you have. Ancient cultures. There's Hindu. There's uh, Egyptian. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking maybe a, a, it ends with a totem pole, but it's all like you said, mixed in with these like uh, VR helmets and muscle cars and uh, pills and movies and jet engines and space shuttles it's 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 a really big mishmash and it sounds you know, we, we can't describe it you actually just have to go and see it yeah yeah and it really is kind of just perfect for this story um as we'll learn as we dive into it but um it's it's almost a little off-putting and you don't know what to think of it but that's uh, believe me that's brian fuller if you're watching a brian fuller thing um you Said I only have this and Hannibal to to go by, but I call it John the Floor Television because my jaw is just on the floor pretty much the whole time. Not and my brain is struggling to believe that I'm actually seeing what I'm seeing. <laughs> yeah, that, that there are a few of those moments <laughs> I had about moments, yeah. four in this episode. <laughs> yeah, at least. I guess you know that's a subjective thing, but I, I think there's some definitely objective John the Floor things. Too. <laughs> yeah, th- this is a show that 
Let's put it this way. If you're not shocked, you're dead. Uh, yeah. Also, it's a show that kind of makes you do homework. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't really do a good job explaining stuff. But once you do a little, you know, Wikipedia research on who these people are, you go, oh, I see what they did there. Yeah, it's it's. And then in the book, it's they string the mysteries along a little better, actually, than they do in the television. I, I get that. But it's something that can be enriched by some some research, definitely. Or I think it could be just as effective, you know, being strung along as, uh, you know, that's almost the whole perspective of, of Shadow's journey is just this yeah. guy that's struggling to to believe what he's seeing and experiencing. And he's just kind of not exactly, he's right on the, you know, the ledge of like, I'm actually either really seeing this stuff or I've gone completely insane. Yeah. I'm just going to kind of ride that out. (laughs) And it could honestly go either way, depending on what happens to him in this episode. So do we, so uh, do we want to start with the opening vignette or go or cover that later? No, no, I'll, uh, I'm just going to run down my entire uh, synopsis page synopsis here. We, we can take some break points. You just uh, interject whenever you, sure, you want to sure. throw in a point. Okay, you know, for me to breathe or light a cigarette, those are always your best end points. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, as we mentioned, the uh, opening scene is Mr. Ibis uh, writing the tales of the gods coming to America. And their first one is, um, I believe it was 830 CE or AD, whichever way you want to go on that. And it's essentially the ancient Vikings uh, reach America and we and they reach the shore and they're starting to go inland. And we get like just a brilliant Monty Python-esque arrow killing from the not-so-friendly natives who they think are the gods. Um, and it, it, with that kind of arrow power, I, I think I would think they were gods, too. Because I, you just can't even adequately... I say Monty Python-esque only to kind of try to illustrate how ridiculous it is. <laughs> and it's literally like a thousand arrows come out and just make this guy a pincushion. And, and for my joke for that is... So, uh, Ragnar, how's that ac- new acupuncture treatment working for you? Yeah, indeed. Or, or, this, or if you want to go gaming, Skyrim, this guy not even not only took an arrow to the knee, he took, <laughs> he took an arrow to the knee and the little inch below the knee and I, I'm, below I'm, that. I'm pretty sure every single square inch of him had one arrowhead. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it is that ridiculous. Well, I think it just set the... I mean, I, I was actually put off a little bit by it at first. I'm like, I'm like are they going to go this way? I mean, is, is this going to be a comedy? Yeah, because it is... It's not bloody or gory for this particular moment. Right, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's about to change. But it's just yeah. absurd, and, and I think it's... You know, you have to get past this point almost. I mean, I bet a lot of people just like, yeah, what? No, click, you know, and they're done with it at that point, which is makes it more of a bolder move because you have to kind of get over that to realize that it's actually going to be a drama with some kind of plot structure. So I'm not sure I, I agree with his choice of putting that right there, but I, I loved it. I, I think I just literally laughed out loud while watching it the first time. I'm just like, what the hell? But it also kind of tells you, like, strap in, this is going to be an interesting ride. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because what happens next? Mm -hmm. 
And what happens next is uh, we basically get the uh, the voiceover by Mr. Ibis describing all this. And essentially, the uh, the Vikings don't want to stay at this point. They're like, we have come to a bad place. <laughs> and uh, But there's no wind to help them get the ships home. So they, you know, it's all good you know pagans will do we we need to make some kind of sacrifice to the god who in their case would be the all-father odin and so we see their attempts uh of, of sacrifice tries trying to raise the wind and one of the first ones they do is trying to emulate their one-eyed god by putting one of their own eyes out the entire tribe basically does this and this doesn't work so we move on to like full-on burnt human sacrifices and the wind you know picks up a little bit They've got this interesting little sand wind device, um, and still not enough. Uh, so the blood sacrifice turns to basically half the tribe killing the other half in a glorious, gory battle that I can only like equate to if uh, Jason Pollock painted in blood. This is probably how he'd go about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I watched uh, the other main star show I've seen is Spartacus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there was more blood spilt in this opening scene than in the entire pilot of that show. That was a very that's a very fuller thing too. He did a lot in, in Hannibal, but a little more reserved in Hannibal. This was just full on. You know, this was like literally. In the old days, this would have been stagehands off-screen just throwing buckets of fake blood at people. But, of course, this yeah. is probably CGI. People yeah, it Chopped was. in half and, you know, just, um, again, absurd and yet just gory as hell. Uh, almost cartoony, but he, uh, Fuller and his directors shoot this stuff just so, like, operatically. It's it's just grabs you, and you know even if your stomach is turned by stuff like that, you can't help but appreciate the art behind it. So after that, Odin's apparently happy, yep. and the Vikings head home. Leaving one of their first attempts was, of course, carving uh, a statue of Odin, and so that gets left in the uh, in in the dirt. And uh, oh, that's what that was. Okay, yeah, that makes more they sense describe now. Describe the uh, kind of next wave of Vikings. Um, that came to America and, and they show up and, you know, it's like, then their God was already here. And, you know, and so was their war basically is the ending of the first voiceover. And our story moves on to introduce us to our protagonist, Shadow Moon, who is about to get out of prison. And he calls his wife, Flora, um, who informs him that she's planning a surprise welcome home party and he should act surprised. And uh, he, he talks to her and says something the effect of like, he feels like something is wrong. Like the, uh, love the, the metaphor that the sky feels like it's constipated. <laughs> It'd be okay if it could just take a good shit, basically. Um, and that night, Shadow dreams of Laura. Um, I, should, I should mention this episode is called The Bone Orchard. I forgot mm-hmm. to mention that. Um, and he dreams of Laura, who calls him Puppy. Um, it's right from the book. And then the uh, title of our episode, A Bone Orchard, he dreams of under mystical-looking skies. And uh, we get some, you know, little Tolkien living trees reaching for him and actually just punches them. Um, yeah. And actually then a noose drops from one of them. Yeah, I think, think the trees from Wizard of Oz just all made out of, like, bones and yeah. there's skeletons all over the place. And these are just, yeah, think about that. Yeah, yep, good reference. Yep. Um, 
So he's woken up by a guard who takes him to a meeting with the warden where he's told that he's getting out early because uh, Laura, Laura has been killed in a car accident. And Shadow is just kind of stunned into shocked silence and goes back to his cell to await release. Escorted by the most <laughs> insensitive guard, insensitive yeah. guard ever. I'm like, it's like oh, this is kind of one of those like, you know, good news, bad news things, isn't it? So like you just got told you're getting out of prison early, but your wife's dead. That sucks, yeah. dude. Like, yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. thanks, dude. <laughs> thanks. Crack <laughs> thanks for your input on that one, guard. <laughs> if it wasn't for the fact that I'm getting out now, I <laughs> yeah, I'd get myself ten more years right now. Uh, so yeah, so, she doesn't react at all to this news. He's just stone silent. Yeah, and I, th- I thought that he, you know, they could have gone the other way and had him break down, but I think he was pretty stoic in the book, too, from what I remember, and he sold it to me, you know, just the, the flat-out shock of the situation. I don't think I would be, you know, you cry a week from then, you know, you lose your shit later, but it's like, at that Which moment. Which he does. Which he yeah. does. Oh, yeah. So he arrives on the outside, and he finds he's having problems changing his airline ticket to something earlier. Or, you know, he had he basically had a ticket for the day he was going to get out, and now he's out earlier, and they won't change it. And we get a, a nice little flashback of him uh, talking to one of his prison mates, um, who we will eventually find out is a guy named Low-Key Lysmith. Um, he tells him a story about Johnny Larch and his airline problems, and it's a, kind of a very funny little scene. And the lesson apparently being... Do not piss off those bitches... In airports. Take a lesson from Johnny Larch. Don't know Johnny Larch. Johnny Larch got out after five years. He gets to the airport, hands his ticket to the woman at the counter who asks for his driver's license. He gives it to her. She says it's expired. He says it might not be a valid driver's license, but it's a damn fine identification. There's my picture. I'll wait in my height. Who the fuck do you think it is? She says, I'll thank you for not using that sort of language with me, sir. He says, give me my fucking boarding pass right fucking now. Now, he has the right to take that tone. She was disrespecting him. You don't let people disrespect you in prison. Why the fuck would he let her disrespect him as a free man? Mm-mm. She hit a button. Security shows up. He's back in prison. You understand what I'm saying right now? One of those behaviors that work inside a specialized environment such as a prison but compel to work when outside such an environment sort of situation. No, dummy. I'm saying do not piss off those bitches in airports. Who's played by that, you know, I forget the actress's name, but it's one of those actresses that if you see her, you've seen her in everything. She was in, uh, she was, uh, in Men in Black. That's, the That's right. She was, uh, the he, cockroach guy's he wife. Was wearing an suit. Yep. <laughs> that, that, like I said, you've seen her everywhere. You just never remember her name. Yep. <laughs> Egger suit. That's what she is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Egger suit woman. Yeah, so Shadow actually does get a flight the next day and has to wait, but he attempts to call his friend Robbie, but only gets the voicemail. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll find out that was futile a little bit here. Um, while waiting, Shadow spies an older man who looks suspiciously like Ian McShane, who is having his own difficulties at the ticket counter. He's essentially trying to trade up to, or he's trying to convince the uh, ticket seller that he should have a first-class ticket. And he's basically acting like a doddering old, you know, senile grandpa 
trying to get home for like his grandson's christening or something like that. He's responsible for all his medication. Yeah, yeah. He usually travels with his son that takes care of all this stuff. And and just to like (laughs) uh, de-escalate, the ticket person relents and and lets him buy and gives him a first-class upgrade, which... You know, out of all the fantastical things in this show, that's probably the most fantastical thing that ever happened, that someone's actually going to have room to upgrade you to first class on a whim, but whatever. Comic books. <laughs> yeah, comic science. Book science. Um, Shadow finds himself seated next to the man on the, on his flight, um, and, and Shadow mystically gets... Uh, you know, proof of the divine shadow mystically gets upgraded to first class because somebody else took his seat. You know, so that never happens either. Yeah, no stewardess will say, "Well, just find me a seat here, sit in first class." Yeah, yeah. These two are vacant for some reason, uh, and no one else grabbed them yet. So he finds himself seated next to Mister McShane on the flight, who immediately starts up a conversation and orders Shadow a drink. And Shadow notices that he has a completely different accent is what he did when he was at the counter. So he, he recognizes him as a fellow con man. Uh, at this point, we really don't know why Shadow's in prison or anything about it, but we, we do learn eventually. Shadow congratulates him on his con job with the ticket booth, and the passenger we find out is Mr. Wednesday, or just Wednesday, but you can be Mr. Wednesday with a shake of a hand. Well, in fact, we don't. he never actually said his name. All he did was say, well, what yeah, day is it? What day is it? It's Wednesday. Wednesday. Well, that's my day. My, that's my day. Mm-hmm. You can call me Mr. Wednesday. <laughs> so uh, the conversation moves into matters of faith and uh, belief and how that maybe even the plane that they're in only flies because, you know, the majority of people on the plane believe in Newton's laws. And Wednesday offers Shadow a job as an assistant of sorts, and he declines, uh, thinking he has a job waiting for him with Robbie. And and Mr. Wednesday clearly knows more about Shadow than he should. He knows he was in prison, you know. And then Shadow kind of almost lets it go, thinking it's like, well, that guy's a con man. He can read people pretty easily. You know, these are things that he could still logically figure out himself without mystical shit going on. Wednesday falls asleep, one of his two talents, he claims, and uh, shit, another little big honking clue, actually, (laughs) to who he might be. And Shadow does the same in Dreams of the Bone Orchard again. This time there's a strange buffalo-type beast with flaming eyes that tells him to believe in what sounds suspiciously like Wednesday's voice. Well, the plane had to make an emergency landing, so he decides to drive from where he is, and uh, Wednesday's long gone at this point. We cut to a scene of somewhere in America, another one of these little interlude vignettes that we get, um, occasionally scattered throughout the show. Oh, well, wait, before before that vignette, mm-hmm. we do get, finally, he just breaks down. He pulls oh, yeah. off the road to this yeah. big canyon and just... Because, just again, this whole... Everything that's gone wrong for him, you know, the since he found out his wife's dead, the airport, the the people, just nothing going his way. He just... And he, he hasn't reacted at all. He's barely flinched. Yeah. And he finally just lets it all out. Yeah, he's just so focused. Like, he's only... He's having such a problem just getting to the damn funeral that he just yeah doesn't have time for it yet mm-hmm. um, and now we can go to somewhere else in america yeah and and we haven't shadow hasn't even got the the best news yet about his dead wife 
My goodness. All right. So, yeah, we kind of seen the to somewhere in America, and we meet a couple who are meeting on a first computer date. Uh, and the woman takes him back to her room, and some sexy time commences. And as things get hotter and heavier, she starts telling him to worship her, and he complies uh, and starts calling her uh, name out, Bilquis, Bilquis. And his prayers rise in intensity. Uh, if you can call them prayers, it's more like uh, him complimenting various parts of her body. But I guess those count in this world. And it becomes evident that he's slowly being pulled into her um, nether regions. And she swallows him whole. <laughs> Remind me to register for that dating website. It's right here in my notes for some reason. Yeah. She she grows about 30 feet tall and... Yeah. Yeah, the visuals, again, are not, like, explicit, but you definitely know what's going on. Um, I... I, I I'm glad they didn't go full explicit. Um, it's just very well done. And, and yes, yeah, Aaron just said, it's, it's kind of hard to believe or figure out if she's growing or if it's like the camera angle, but I, I'll say she's growing cause she just sucked a 250 pound man up into her vagina. So laws of physics and all that. <laughs> I don't know. Now the, the, the thing to also keep that I've, uh, noticed was at the start of this scene bef- bef- when they first meet she's you know pretty old wrinkled haggard you know not not the most attractive right and then she by the end of the scene she is young vibrant mm-hmm. everything is nourishment uh, from the whole experience or or belief and faith and, and worship mm-hmm. you know yeah, everything's where it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So Shadow buys a cheap meal in a bar, a crocodile bar, which is amazing. One of the most awesome bars ever. I'd love really to find is. Yeah, <laughs> giant <laughs> crocodile bar, probably run by Captain Hook for all we know. And he runs into Wednesday in the bathroom, which is coincidence. Who seems to meet no more again about Shadow than he does, and he mentions Robbie's condition and. And Shadow has no clue what he's talking about because, again, he references Robbie's got a job for me. And he shows Shadow his obituary and reiterates his job offer. Um, and we get a little music uh, going on, which I'll probably put in this episode of uh, the song Iko Iko. My grandma and your grandma were sitting by the fire. My grandma told your grandma, I'm gonna set your flag on fire. You're talking about henna, henna, henna. Iko, Iko, Ande. Jagamo, Fino, Anane. Jagamo, Fino, Anane. Shadow admits that he's broke and decides to, with a coin toss, to work for Wednesday. Now, Shadow well, thinks he has a we, little coin trick con that he does. And well, we 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 forgot to mention that in the paper, Robbie's also dead. That thus the word the obituary. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Trust your producer, Aaron. I've got the notes I want to read here. <laughs> Sorry about that. I think I said the word obituary. I wrote it, but that doesn't necessarily mean I read it. <laughs> so Shadow, uh, you know, thinks he's a master con with his coin tricks and that he's rigged the toss, but he finds out that he lost the bet, so now he works for Mr. Wednesday with a handshake and a shot. 
Uh, Three. You know, they haven't completely sealed it. That's the first drink. Very mm-hmm. important. And suddenly we meet a huge bearded ginger man who asks Shadow if he's working for Wednesday and introduces himself as a leprechaun. Mad Sweeney, as we learn his name is, asks Shadow if he knows who Wednesday really is. A seven-foot leprechaun. A seven-foot leprechaun. It's funny, I was telling a, a friend of mine just before this show about the show. You know, I just was talking to her about my podcasting habit. And she's like, what's the show about? And, you know, I got to the Mad Sweeney part and it's like... Or actually, this is I was rewatching it as I was talking to her, and I'm like, yeah. And right now, Shadow's fighting a seven foot leprechaun, and and she's like, aren't they usually smaller? And I'm like, that's exactly what Shadow asked. <laughs> also, where's his where's his lucky charms? Yes, aren't you a little tall for a leprechaun? I guess would be the proper question there. Um, yeah, where is lucky charms? Those lucky charms apparently a coin. Um, so they all drink some mead that Mr. Wednesday has and seal the job compact. Now, Sweeney warns uh, that he's being hustled. He warns Shadow. And Shadow agrees on the condition um, you know, to work for Wednesday that he gets to at least go to his wife's funeral. Drinking commences, and Sweeney shows Shadow a real coin trick because he just starts picking gold coins out of the air, out of literally thin air. And, and Shadow thinks it's a trick, of course, and asks for the secret, but... You know, Sweeney's just like, idiot, I just pull him out of the air. Fucking leprechaun. (laughs) That's what I kind of like. I mean, that's why I kind of like that this show, and the book does it too, that it doesn't explain anything. It just shows you everything that's happening from Shadow's point of view, and you're kind of like, okay, you know, just like he is through most of this. It's it's really a good adaptation so far. One of the, and that's one of the strengths is they made sure uh, Gaiman was heavily involved in this yeah. project. They didn't just buy the rights and do their own thing. He was heavily involved, which is yeah. good. Yeah, and he usually is. I think he, um, well, except for that whole Harry Potter uh, books and magic thing, but that's a different rant. I don't even know that rant, so... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll clue you in on it after this show. <laughs> um, it'll blow your mind, man. It will, actually. Yeah, so, yeah, I agree. I, I, Gaiman's, uh, he's, I think he's got an executive producer, which doesn't necessarily mean, you know, you're involved if you have that credit, but I, I have a feeling this is kind of... This is one of his biggest babies. You know, it goes kind of like Sandman, this, Good Omens. Um, so, yeah, I don't think he would have ever let this thing go if he wasn't didn't have his fingers in it somewhere okay so so it's not like the stan lee executive producer credit i, I wouldn't think i mean no i think i'm in a little more hand, you know boots yeah up I, down than I i destroyed a friend's happiness when i told him you, you know stan lee isn't actually involved in all these marvel movies right <gasps> no Oh, I know. Uh, there was a. I had to. I, I had to leave the. It was pain. like I just told him Santa Claus wasn't real. It, <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> I know. I had to leave this one Facebook group that was called like the real Stan Lee, and it and it wasn't. You know, and, and the guy never really was pretending to be. But I just like, dude, why? You know, you can't pick any of the. Re-. But there were people thinking it was the real Stan Lee. <laughs> like, yeah, Stan's just gonna hang out on Facebook all day. You know, he's fucking ninety-eight years old or something. P.T. Barnum was right. There's a sucker born every minute. Oh, absolutely. Oh, anyway, uh, well, Sweeney um, says that he'll fight him for the secret of the coin trip. 
uh, trick. And uh, Shadow initially resists, but Sweeney pulls out the dead wife card, and uh, Shadow slugs him, and a glorious battle commences. Best bar brawl of the year award over here, please. Mm-hmm. Best bar. Um, just brutal, and just these two huge guys get freaking going at it. Yeah, because Shadow's a good, I'd say six, what, six, seven, six, eight? Yeah, neither of these boys you would want to tussle with in an alley. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, uh, you and ten friends would not want to tussle with them in an alley. Yeah. <laughs> Back on the road with Wednesday, and, and, and Shadow stops to clean up for the funeral. The bathroom mirror suggests that we should fuck God and come hard. Why not? Little little blasphemous there. Uh, Shadow <laughs> arrives at the church to a small funeral and an open a- a casket for Laura. And he goes to sit next to Robbie's wife, Audrey, who is weeping, but talking very kind of sarcastically and stranger, you know, and strangely about her late friend. And she she suddenly realizes that Shadow doesn't know the punchline and tells him that Laura died with Robbie's cock in her mouth. Awkward. <laughs> And then we get a very good musical choice for uh, for kind of the funeral scene and, and Shadow at the Grave. My girl, my girl, don't you lie to me. Tell me, where did you sleep last night? My girl, my girl, don't lie to me. Tell me, where did you sleep last night? In the pines, in the pines, where the sun never shines, will shiver the whole night through. Yeah, I love the music. The music choices are just great. Yeah. I, these are like on the equivalent of Guardians of the Galaxy choices. Yeah, a lot of my favorite shows do this too, and, and it can either be done very cheesy or very organically and very well. Stranger Things did it great. This show does it great. You know, mm-hmm. um, things like ba- Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul always have done it great. Um, yeah, so uh, that musical—you'll probably be hearing a lot of that in this podcast, actually, in all these podcasts that we cover it because it's just part of the the tapestry of the whole thing. So. At the grave, Shadow says his goodbyes and stays until dark, and he, he throws a coin that he took from Sweeney onto her fresh grave, and it is apparently the coin. He encounters Audrey again, who tells him that she just got done pissing on Robbie's grave. Can't really fault her for that one. Yeah, and she she's more than about five sheets to the wind right now, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little over her usual dosage of Ativan, I believe she said. Yeah, yeah. In addition to it, I'm pretty sure there was some booze involved. Yeah, which is never a good mix, kids. Don't do that at home. Um, so anyway, she attempts to seduce Shadow, but he resists. And, and just what a performance by this actress, and we should give her name to props. Uh, she's not in this show much. She's going to be in it later. Betty Gilpin, which I don't mm-hmm. really know if she's done. But. Yeah, because she's... And it, you, you understand where she's coming from. She's just grieving. She her best because uh, Shadow's wife's her best friend. Yeah. So she found this is how she found out about the affair too. So she's you know just completely coming unhinged and just oh, yeah. going through all the grief with yeah. Shadow. In a blender method, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, it's just like one of the you know, most amazing ironic lines that I think I've seen in drama lately is she's she's basically trying to you know 
to fuck Shadow and get him to, you know, right on like Laura's grave. Like, I want them to see this, and um, and she's like, I'm trying to get my dignity back here, and my heart just like freaking dropped when she said that. And mm-hmm. It's just like what a completely amazingly ironic statement, and this actress just delivered this scene like no and- business. Oh yeah, and Shadow, you know, all Shadow does is it. The, the whole scene ends with them just hugging and crying, and yeah. that's it. Yeah. Not, nothing else happens. Yeah, it's perfect, perfect scene. Um, we also see the coin that uh, Shadow tossed in Laura's grave sink into the earth. You know, in a obviously mystical kind of manner. <laughs> Walking back to the hotel, the lights go out around him, and there's some strange firefly-like things buzzing around. A little weird device on the ground, which Shadow, being apparently a moron at this moment, or, you know, in shock or whatever, approaches it, and it does a face hugger right onto his head. Yep. And he's, he's transported to a virtual limousine where he meets a colorfully dressed young man who interrogates him about Wednesday and uh, smokes synthetic toad skins, apparently, which... In my younger days, it's probably something I would have tried. Um, But no one offered. He says some confusing things and expresses his condolences, and his virtual thugs slap him. His Uh, virtual faceless thugs. Faceless thugs. Again, there's there's stuff in this show that words will fail us in attempting to describe, so you're just going to have to go watch it. (laughs) Yes, because every once in a while, this kid we see... At points, is made looks like he just walked out of an eight bit yeah. MS DOS game. Pixelated, yep. It, and he's uh, all different colors, and yeah. So yeah, all the this- showrunners call that the God Flesh. That occasionally the gods. By the way, these are gods. Um, <laughs> In case you didn't notice by the title of the show, yeah. Um, you know they lapse into this God Flesh, and we see it a couple more times in, in, in various characters throughout. And by lapsing, we mean we had the budget to do it for this shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, that that makes sense, and it's it's actually totally out of the book too. You know, mm-hmm. that, that kind of the reality breaks every now and then. Shadow gets to see these little hints of stuff that's really going on, and again, he's not sure if he's just losing his mind or actually seeing them. So I thought they portrayed that really well. Yeah, I mean, he could be having a psychotic break because of the news of the death of his wife. I've had some good psychotic breaks. They they can be fun rides, um, you know, and scary too. But there there can be visuals. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, just weird, 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 weird. But then Technical Boy orders them to kill uh, poor Shadow, and he's taken outside and beaten and and strung up by a rope. You know, that's the noose he saw in his dreams uh, to die. And suddenly something utterly destroys the technical thugs in a a slow-motion ballet of splashy blood and guts, um, which is very reminiscent of of the beginning scene with the Vikings. Um, We don't see who. uh, We just see basically the thugs flying apart in blood and guts and and spines and all kinds of glorious stuff. And we roll credits. And the end song is uh, Let the Midnight Special, or the CCR acoustic version. Or somebody doing an acoustic version of Let the Midnight Special Shine Your Light on Me. So that's it, kids. Um, yep. What a way to kick this off. And uh, as as a partial book reader, at least, this was, it just resonated perfectly. I mean, it was just 
yeah, this 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 is pretty faithful, at least to the spirit of things. So, very happy beginning for me watching this. Okay, yeah, I some of the things I got from the show is I loved Shadow. He's a good protagonist. Yeah. Um, you know, he messed up, but he said that he's been trying to, you know, better himself. He, We find out more in, the, I think, the next episode. But, um, yeah, he's he made a mistake, and he's trying to fix everything. And suddenly he gets wrapped up in this whole other world. Ian McShane is just, well, he's Ian McShane. What more do I need to say? You've seen yeah. Deadwood. <laughs> yeah, I could read a freaking phone book, and you'd be entranced by everything he said, yeah. But uh, I never, I never watched Deadwood. That's another one on my on my pile. And yeah, everything. Same here. It's like you know, he's he's the god of Deadwood, uh, basically. So, yep. The uh, he's about the only reason I watched the last Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, just we're introduced to a lot of different things and. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying not to get into the next few episodes where we start getting into what's going on, and yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil that just yet. <laughs> and it's yeah, hard because it's, you know it is because it's a great. As I said, it's a. If you kind of know what's going on and what the premise of the show is going to be, then you can enjoy it. And you know, you've kind of got the insight. It's like, all right, you know, and and maybe you get a little more enjoyment out of it um this first episode doesn't give people that are uninitiated much to grab onto they just have to kind of get taken up in the ride like shadow is yep because i mean we we like the the, the show starts with vikings okay then a prison all right then we have a naked woman eat a guy with her nether region yeah so Okay. You know you're in for a rough one uh, at that point. And if you're still hanging out at that point, by the time you get to Bilquis, if you're still with the show, she might not, you know, that might not be the straw that breaks the camel back, but it might be. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, I think it actually happens earlier in the book. I think that might actually be one of the first scenes in the book, if I'm not mistaken. That would make sense. It's been a little while, but... um, yeah, I guess, as I said, if you can get past the, the pincushion scene, which is literally just about the first scene, then I, this show probably assumes that you're, you're its tribe and, and we'll stick with it. Cause that, that's, there's no middle ground on something like this show. You're either going to love it or you're going to be like, I can't, nope, I just can't. I don't even know what's going on here. <laughs> and we went through Legion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This might be a close second to to Legion just for pure madness and, and visual joy. Uh, if only they could figure out how to make you know get Audrey uh, Plaza in here, Aubrey Plaza, as a goddess of some kind, would be fine. <laughs> well, we got we have Scully coming up, so yeah, yeah. There's some really great casting in this man. Some really really great you know, solid character actors and in and former big stars and this is very man, this you're maybe twenty pages into the book, you know, by the end of this episode. It's really not much. And it's a very slow pace, uh, the rest of the season. Um and I'm okay with that. I've I've read some complaints in reviews of, of the slow pacing and like, well, you know, this wasn't even that you get a lot of scenes in this show and, and you get them in the book 
that are completely like separate from the narrative. Like they, they mean nothing. They're one-offs, you know, they're basically like essentially the coming to America ones. Some of the gods that they do in the book on that never even show up again in the book, you know, and they don't do anything with them. It's just to kind of set the, the tone and the rules of the universe. Um, my understanding and from what I've watched that some of those gods are going to be more involved in the plot in, in, in the show, which I think is a great idea. That's true. And from what I read, some of those vignettes were made specifically for the show. Yeah, there's, there's going to be a lot of characters showing up in this that weren't in the books. Um, and I've already seen a few of them. Um, but it's such a large, you know, you've literally got all of human mythology to play with, so why not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as we'll learn, there can be even variations on that myth- on certain things. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, That's. Uh, I think that conversation might happen in the next couple episodes, too, and then we actually get to see it played out. Definitely uh, episode, episode three. Five or six, yeah. yeah. And I know that because I just finished it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I don't, yeah, I don't know what more we can say without spoiling more of it, but we're yeah. going to try do this weekly for you. Yeah, for for a pilot, it sets the tone. Uh, it's it, it, it's as Mister Toad's wild ride. <laughs> yeah. With boobs. Yeah, yeah, um, and and so yeah. I'm in. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and the 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 little teaser for you, if you you know unsure about uh, watching and 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 the the titillation stuff titillate you then there's definitely more coming male and female this game of thrones is going to have to up its game let's put it that way (laughs) as far as sex scenes to keep up with this thing (laughs) yeah i i think that the bilquist scene already pretty much wrecked the curve (laughs) yeah i'm pretty sure that's why there was uh, judicious camera angles with bilquist otherwise this could have been straight up x-rated yeah well uh yeah And it gets pretty close in a couple other episodes. Uh, hmm? well, one I fast forwarded through, so. <laughs> oh, no, that was a great scene. We'll get to that. I think that's next week, isn't it? Uh, third episode. Third, okay. Yeah, this this show takes some bold chances. It's not going to be for everybody. The book's not for everybody, but, I mean, the book is one like the Hugo Award, and it's generally considered at this point one of you know the great modern literature books out there um so it's just like okay yeah i i do have uh, a point i was going to mention earlier so i'll just here, here's here's something that could completely destroy the story we know gods exist in this universe based on faith yeah that if that's that's true how did the white man survive the Native American gods? I don't know. They had more, maybe. Yeah, because shouldn't they all end up as, you know, Ragnar the pincushion? Probably, but uh, then remember, more Vikings came, and maybe they uh, they, they had some strength uh, behind Odin and got things going again. Well, I was thinking more, you know, pilgrims and them, but... Yeah, well, yeah. Um, yeah, that's. I mean, that's what this kind of comes down to. Whose whose gods have the most belief, and who's going to be the top dog at the end of it all? Or, um, I mean, the basic premise. It's it's not. You know, said it's a almost a twenty year old novel at this point. Um, 
so it's like the, the main premise is that gods need their believers, that it's uh, mm-hmm. essentially the imagination of, and this was said, the story I was writing was, this is where it was closest, is that the imagination of man is what actually created the gods. And so belief, they need the continued belief and worship of their followers to, you know, not necessarily keep existing, but I mean, but some gods do, yeah, kind like of kind of fade out of existence. Yeah, because um, if no one believes in them, yeah, they die. Yeah, and um, so it's kind of a war between Mister Wednesday starts gathering some folks to start fighting some other folks, and we'll we'll let you either watch ahead and figure that out for yourself, or we'll be telling you in subsequent episodes. And uh, this 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 could get cut too. But uh, after we finish, I've got a Wonder Woman theory for you. Okay. So. Sounds good. Maybe you should save that for tomorrow night. <laughs> well, it ties into this show a little bit more. Oh, okay. No, I mean, well, if it's if it'll spoil stuff in a later episode, save it for that. But. Um, See that last thing. Really I don't. Wanna, I don't even really want to give the rules of the universe in this show. Ah, uh, okay. I, okay. I want to assume that people might just watch one episode and listen to this, and gotcha. just trying to be mindful of our whole audience. Uh, I'll I'll save it for tomorrow and then. Okay, cool. Uh, no, I mean bring it back up on this show if you want. You know, mm-hmm. if it's pertinent to something we talked about down the road. It's why I think Aries looks like. You know, David Fulis and not Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, all right. I, I'm interested to hear that, but yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you think God of War, you think, you know, buff, yeah, you Kratos. Think, you know, generals not, aren't always the, uh, the, the, the most physical soldiers. That's why they like being generals. Well, that naked to have the fancy mustaches and the tea. <laughs> Oh, I well, can't wait. You had to have, back in the, you know, early 20th century, you had to have an impressive mustache to be the bad guy. You got to have something to twirl. Oh, and, and sideburns, too. You had to have the sideburns. Sure, yeah. <laughs> All right, off the rails. We need to wrap this up a little bit. Um, yep. So, uh, you can email, actually, at mindlistervil at yahoo.com. Hopefully, I can retrieve my password and actually check that because I haven't in a while. Uh, I'm Scott McGregor. Aaron's going to hopefully keep doing this with me. We're going to try to pump these out once a week as yep. some of my other shows. Yeah, and especially I'm, since it's only eight episodes. I think we can do it. Yeah, and then we'll be ripe and ready next year to, to cover it as it happens. I'm, I'm definitely going to do that if I'm still in this particular industry of podcasting. It uh, helps keep us sane. It does, you know, mostly. Because after we see all this, we got to talk about it. Otherwise, we're like, what did I just see? Yeah, you are. especially shows like this in Legion. Yeah, it's actually kind of group therapy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Please bring me back into reality because this world scares me and yet fascinates me. And I want to watch more, but I think my brain might be slipping. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's the kind of stuff I love. I, I just, I've always gravitated toward the weird. The weirder the better, and if you can throw some boobs in there occasionally too, I'm even happier. Yep. Uh, as I, I, I think I posted on on Facebook right after I saw the, this episode. I'm like, somebody please tell me how I can sacrifice myself to Belquis. Uh, I want to be a loyal follower of her uh, for the rest of eternity. <laughs> Aphrodite. Because as they say, what a way to go. 
George Perez's Aphrodite. George Perez, I was thinking more of uh, Ursula Andress's uh, Aphrodite from the first Clash of the Titans. Ooh, that works too. Yeah, I'll, I'll be in my bunk. Um, or, you know, even the Venus from uh, Baron Munchausen, Uma Thurman action. And now we've lost any hope of having a female listener to this show. So, as usual with my stuff. <laughs> But keep watching, ladies. There's plenty of scenery for you, too, in this this series. Oh, yeah. Trust me. <laughs> Some impressive yeah. scenery, I might add. <laughs> but let's wrap it up. That's Mindless Drivel, kids. Aaron, thanks. And then we will definitely have you back. We'll try to grab some more... Uh, some more guests here. Uh, Hair Metal Hero, actually, I did a show with him last night, and he is watching this, so we're, we're, we'll are we probably drag him on the next one. Now, we couldn't get him booked quickly enough. He had a thing um, for tonight, but he's going to join us, definitely. Ah, the three amigos ride again. Yeah, and anyone else, if you're interested, send emails at mindlessdrivel at yahoo.com, or find us, there's a Mindless Drivel Facebook page, too. Um, or just message me on Facebook and let me know you want to come and talk about American Gods, and we will try to make it happen. But we'll and, try and, to pump these out once uh, a week or every two weeks until we finish up the season. So. Yep. Alrighty, well, I'm Aaron from Tangents Abound, which you can find on the Two True Freaks Network. He is. It's true. It's not a myth. It's not a myth. I you just have to believe. I believe in you, Aaron. <laughs> All right, kids. We'll talk to you next week. Bye now. Bye-bye. Let the midnight special shine a light on me. Let the midnight special shine a light on me. Let the midnight special shine a light on me. Let the midnight.